Hi, I'm Luann Botta, and I'm Marianne Crum. You know, lots of things may be in short supply these days, but hope doesn't have to be one of them. Join us for the next 30 minutes or so, and we'll remind you how you can live with unquenchable hope. Hey, everybody. Luann, my normal podcast buddy, is traveling some right now. And so a good friend of mine, Heidi Blake, you have heard her before if you are a longtime listener. She did a great job on another series that we did. Heidi had an opportunity recently to speak to a group of college age and young career age at our church, and she did it on how do we find God's will? How do we make decisions? How do we know what God wants us to do? So I snagged her because I thought that would be a great podcast topic. So Heidi is joining me today, and we're going to just spend some time talking about what she shared with that group, and I'm sure I'll be interrupting a plenty. <laughs> anyway, Heidi, thank you for being here. Thank I'm happy you. to be here. Yeah. Oh, that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I've drug her into all kinds of things. <laughs> No, she's a gifted communicator, so I'm looking forward to what she has to share. This topic of finding God's will, I guess it makes sense that you were talking to college age and young career, because they're probably one of the age groups where they're most focused on that. But why exactly did you pick that subject? I just remember when I was in my late teens and early 20s, how stressful it was, because it seemed like there were all these big life decisions that you have to make at that age. And you're just getting to the point where you're allowed to make your own decisions and someone else isn't making them for you. And they're big. You know, where am I going to go to college? What am I going to study? What's my first job going to be? Who am I going to marry? I mean, these are pretty big decisions. Mm -hmm. And it's a little stressful. And so I just thought, well, that would be a good topic to talk to them about. And also just because I needed to hear that information again, too, because we're always making decisions and always wanting to know what's the will of God? What does he want me to do? So that's why I decided to do that topic. Mm -hmm. So what's a time in your life where you felt that intense pressure of, oh my goodness, I got to make this huge decision and how in the world can I figure out what God wants me to do? I think we all have several moments like that in our lives, but the one that always really jumps out to me that I specifically remember clearly hearing almost like God's voice, I guess you could say, in in, in my spirit was when I was making my first decision for a job. When I just had finished physical therapy school and I was applying to jobs, I think the first thing that I have to say is that I was involved in medical campus outreach which is a a Christian group um, at the school I was going to. And I was very stressed before I graduated and asked the leader of that group, what should I do about looking for jobs? And they just strongly suggested that I pray, just stop and pray before I do anything. So I did actually do that. That was before I even graduated, just praying that God would reveal the right job for me mm-hmm. before I even the choice was even presented. And then when I was out of school, I was looking at jobs, and in my mind, I really wanted to be out west. I wanted to be where I could ski and hike and just kind of have that new adventure. And so I was looking at a lot of jobs out in Colorado and Utah, and one in particular in Utah came up. And the lady that wanted to interview me for that job was actually coming to South Carolina, which is where we live, to visit some family members. So she was coming all the way from Utah. She said, why don't I just interview you? While I'm here in South Carolina. So in my mind, I'm thinking, wow, that's kind of a God thing. Yeah. You know, that she's coming all the way here and I'll get to interview with her. 
Well, two days before I was getting ready to do that interview, I got a call from someone here in Greenwood with... South Carolina. In South Carolina. That's right. God's country. God's country. And it was in a town where I had done an internship while I was in school, and I had worked under this woman, and she decided to stay home with her baby after she had the baby, and so the job was coming open. And they called to ask if I might consider coming and working here in Greenwood. How did you even get an internship here? Well, Just yeah. Kind of random? Yeah, it was randomly assigned an internship to Greenwood. Really? Yeah, and that and that's another thing is sometimes those things just happen and it's not even that I made the choice. I, I was in Greenwood because we in my class all got assigned to certain locations to do our internships and there were a limited number and you would put your name into a lottery system and say which ones you wanted, but it was really just based on a lottery system. And I knew I wanted to do a pediatric rotation. And so that's how I ended up in Greenwood. It was Uh, one of the few pediatric rotations in South Carolina. Okay. Yeah. And I'd never been to Greenwood before and just came and did my internship here. But while I was here, I came upon a physician in one of the clinics who invited me to a Bible study on a Friday night. And so I went to a Bible study with a group from Calvary Chapel, Greenwood. And I did that for the eight weeks that I was here in town. I went to that Friday night Bible study that was led by a physician. And I also got involved with a church, Northside Baptist, while I was here in town. Mm -hmm. So I was very plugged in spiritually in the short amount of time that I was here in Greenwood. Mm -hmm. Um, it, It actually was very easy to get plugged in. So that's how I ended up in Greenwood. Anyway. The Utah lady was coming. The Utah lady was coming. And I had been offered a job here in Greenwood. Okay. So I was feeling very distraught because I had two possible job offers and I made a list of the pluses and minuses of each job offer. Mm -hmm. And I just remember looking at one list and it was all very external things like skiing and hiking and having an adventure, getting away from the family for a little while and doing something on my own, all these things. And I had the other list and it was friends and a church and people that I knew that I respected at work, that I knew it was a good group, you know, Mm. at the job, it was a good boss, all of these things. So I was like, okay, well, let's just see how the interview goes. So I went into the interview on a Monday and had been offered a job here in Greenwood on Saturday. All I remember is I'm talking to this woman and all I'm hearing coming out of her is like the Charlie Brown, you know, teacher voice. (laughs) That's literally all I heard the whole time because I just knew that I knew that I knew that I wasn't supposed to take that job, even if she offered it to me. I just knew. And so that was my first, I think, big experience with what you would call like the Holy Spirit actually guiding me. And I just felt sort of an internal leading of no 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 you're not supposed to do this yeah that reminds me can i yes i'm done yeah go right ahead that reminds me of this principle i guess you would call it Mm -hmm. that i have used for years and it's based on psalm 1611 where it says for i will make known to you the path of life right and i realize that i may or may not be guilty of taking that a little bit out of context But when I come to decisions like you described, I consciously often will pray, God, you know what the path of life is here. You know, one of these options is going to be the path of life. And they could be all okay, good options, just just like yours was. I mean, wasn't anything sinful about going to Utah. Not at all. But 
It is amazing when you described how you just knew, Mm -hmm. you knew that you knew that you knew. That's kind of what I'm talking about here. Now, when I share this with my very logical husband or my logical sons or, you know, mostly men, (laughs) they don't get that because they're more prone to just make the lists and make the the graphs and the charts and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I'm not wired so much that way. So this whole path of life thing has been huge for me. And I've shared it with a lot of people. And for some people, it really does seem to help them. Well, you've shared it with me and I've used it and it's it's actually been very helpful to me. I mean, it's past. just one yeah. of many things. We'll talk about yeah. other ways that we can discern God's will. But so that's like not the only factor, obviously, because our emotions can betray us. Yes, they can. And some people would say, oh, that's just an emotional thing. You can't trust that. But it's deeper than an emotion. Right. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It is because the Lord does give us individual direction that is unique to us, Mm -hmm. but it's revealed to us usually through the scriptures and through prayer. Right. So if you're praying and you're asking for God's will and you're reading the scriptures and you're understanding what the general principles are, he can give you an impression. He can give Mm -hmm. you a strong sense of which way are you supposed to go. Yeah. An impression is a good way to describe it. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like you just know in your knower, Mm -hmm. in your gut. Again, that's just one factor to weigh in, but it's been very helpful to me. And we were talking about before we started recording how these days the anxiety level about trying to discern the right path to go on or what is God's will, it seems like it's probably more confusing than it's ever been in history because we have way too many choices about things. So you were explaining your experience at a restaurant. Yeah, there's this restaurant in Greenville. I've actually only been to Greenville, South Carolina. There's only (laughs) only been there once, and it's called Stacks. And literally, I felt like I was just going to melt into a little puddle when I walked in there and saw the menu. (laughs) I feel like there's about two or 300 choices on the menu, (laughs) and they're from every possible type of food you can imagine. It's not just Chinese food or just German food. It's like everything all together in one restaurant. And so I was just paralyzed. I just was like, I don't know what to decide because any of these foods could taste good, but which one's going to taste the best? And it just is overwhelming. And I feel like that's a good way of sort of explaining what it's like to be, especially a young person in today's world, but any any age, Mm -hmm. we have so many choices. It used to be that you basically were going to do whatever your father did for your job. Mm -hmm. You know, you were going to follow in his footsteps, or if you're a woman, you really had very limited options. Who you were marrying was not going to be someone you could choose from millions of people online. It was <laughs> going to be somebody that lived in your small community uh-huh. that you interacted with on a, on a regular basis. I mean, these decisions were kind of whittled down for you. And now the whole world is you know open to us. And it actually just makes us anxious because mm-hmm. we can't figure out what's the best decision. Right. You know? Yeah, I talk to a lot of young moms that are experiencing what you just said, that paralysis, because you can Google anything related to your kids and read a thousand opinions that contradict each other. And I'm almost thankful that about all I had was James Dobson Yeah, <laughs> back in the day, because you can get overwhelmed with the amount of information that's out there about anything. Right. Do you want to start with, can we even know the will of God? Does he really want us to know? Because it will often feel to me like, God, I want so much to do your will. It would seem like you would just send me a letter or write it across the sky or something. Why doesn't he make it more clear if he really wants us to know what it is? 
Well, and I think you and I were talking about that for a minute before mm-hmm. we started, and you were saying, you know, God is the same. He's been the same throughout all history, mm-hmm. and He does want us to know His will, and He does reveal His will to us, and so that doesn't change. So even though the way we live today is different, He's never changed, and He's going to continue to tell us what His will is. And I think you had actually a couple of verses you were going to read. I do. Okay, well, one is in Ephesians chapter 5, and it's verses 15 through 16. 17, and it says, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. To me, that verse is so much more relevant in 2023 than it probably was when it was written. Because the evil that we're exposed to and the the evil things that we can be enticed into seems like they've been multiplied. Going back to the idea of the people that just lived in a tiny little village or community, they weren't as exposed to so many different sinful options. And so this is talking about making the most of our time because the days are evil. Well, yes, the days are really evil (laughs) these days. So we have to be careful. It says that right there, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And he wouldn't tell us to understand what it is if it didn't make it possible for us to know. Right, exactly. And God also, in the scriptures, it says he's not the author of confusion. Yeah, that's, um, so, that's a you know, good point. He's not out there trying to confuse us. And he also says that he will be found by us when we search for him with all of our hearts. Yes. So he yeah. wants to be found. Of course he wants us to know and do his will. That's the whole point of being a Christ follower is that we are here to represent him as his ambassadors. An ambassador is always checking back with the government officials to say, what do you want me to communicate to these people in this foreign country that I'm living in as an ambassador? Right, right. All right, so why don't you start in on what you shared with that group Unless there's something else you want to say at the beginning. Well, first, I'd like to read Matthew 6, because I think this kind of gets to the heart of the issue of of finding God's will. In Matthew 6, Jesus is talking about... Y'all, if you saw the Bible she was reading out of, you'd be amazed. It's got the tiniest print I've ever seen in my life. And my 40-something-year-old eyes are not doing as well with this Bible anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So in Matthew 6, Jesus is talking about anxiety and being anxious. And in verse 25, he says... Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. And then he goes on to talk about how even though the birds of the sky don't sow or reap, that he takes care of them. And then he talks about wildflowers and how God takes care of them, even though they don't spin thread for their clothing. And then he talks about the grass of the field. So God takes care of all these things. And then he says, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into a furnace tomorrow, won't he so much more do for you, you of little faith? Don't worry saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And I like this verse because I feel like it gets to the heart of the issue, mm-hmm. which is we're worried about the future. And that's why we are trying to figure out what decision we can make that will make sure that we're provided for in the future, that we have what we need in the future. We want our needs to be provided for. And we're thinking about 
how we can do that instead of trusting God and seeking him first. Because he says, seek me first, and I'll take care of all of that other stuff for you. Yeah. And we're really supposed to be pursuing the heart of God and pursuing his righteousness, not worrying about tomorrow and not worrying about how things are going to work out. Because usually when we're worrying about how things are going to work out, we're worrying about how it's going to feel to us and Mm -hmm. not even necessarily whether it's a good or a bad thing in God's eyes. I think our flesh naturally, our our top priority is always that we're happy, that we make ourselves happy and comfortable. And yet what God has called us to do is to follow Jesus. And when Jesus would approach people with that, he described it as take up your cross and Mm -hmm. follow me. He didn't try to sell it as this is just going to be the easiest, most comfortable gig you'll ever do. It was no, take up your cross, which immediately people in that day would recognize that is just like take up your electric chair. It is. Take up your gas chamber because you're dying to your will and trying to find his. We're called to follow him. That means he's going first. He's ahead of us and we're following him. And we're usually all wrapped up, like you said, in uh, what should I do? Which house should I buy? Where should I live? What about this relationship and this relationship? Issues that are important, but we forget that whole thing. Well, I'm supposed to be following Christ, seeking him as a person, spending time with him and trusting that he's going to lead us. He's going to lead us into where we're supposed to go. Right. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Pursuing him is different than pursuing answers. Yes. The answers come as a result, a byproduct of pursuing him. Right, because it's a relationship. And so when you're pursuing someone in a relationship, you're not basically running around quizzing them all day long. You're actually just spending time with them and getting to know them and knowing their character. And if you spend a lot of time in the scriptures and you know the Lord, it becomes very clear to you what he would want. Mm -hmm. Just like if you spend a lot of time with a spouse or a friend, you spend enough time with that person. And when someone says, would they like this or would they like that? I mean, it's like an instantaneous answer. You know. You know. You know. That's good. Mm -hmm. I think if I heard a lot of my prayers played back to me, I would sound very much like that four or five-year-old who's always saying, where are we going now? What are we going to do? Why are we doing this? Why are you doing that? (laughs) When is this going to (laughs) happen? When really you just want them to trust you. You're like, it's okay. I've got this. We're fine. And I'm sure God wants to say that to me all the time. But there are times when we really do need direction. And I thought of the verse in James that I I count on this verse a lot in my own life, but I also share it a lot with other people when I'm doing counseling. And James chapter 1, verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. So that's a promise that God wants to give us his wisdom. Yes. Without reproach, he's not going to say, why are you asking me for the 10,000th time? His will is to show us his will. Right. Yeah. He actually spells it out quite a bit in the scriptures, what his will is. I think we need to recognize that when we're asking for God's will, that there is this battle between our flesh and what God's will is. Our flesh usually wants to go in a certain direction, which sometimes is completely opposed to what God wants. So we have to at least stop and acknowledge, okay, I want my kingdom to come into play. Mm -hmm. And so my flesh is constantly trying to force 
what my kingdom wants to look like. And then God's got his kingdom and what he wants to happen. And so I think before we say anything else, you just got to make sure you acknowledge that about yourself, that you do have a flesh that's kind of fighting against that. Boy, howdy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Do I ever. So we got to think about what, what is God's kingdom versus what our kingdom would be. I marked a couple verses here. Jesus, of course, he's the perfect example of everything. But but even in this, it says in John 5.30, Jesus is speaking. He says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. He was all the time clarifying that. I do the things that I see my father doing. That was his mindset while he was on earth, and he was God. So how much more should I have that mindset, too? I'm not seeking my own will, but I'm seeking his will. But you you can always feel that, that tension there. In Matthew, a verse that describes where Jesus even struggled with this when he was in the garden right before he was going to be crucified, It says, in going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. That was always his focus, his mindset, right up until the end. But it's kind of comforting to know that even he kind of struggled with it. He felt that torment, that pull of, I don't want to do this, but not my will, but yours. Right. So that's what you're talking about. To go into it with the right perspective. If we want God to show us his will, then I think that we have a part to play in that and that he's going to make sure that our heart is in the right place. Right. Like, why is he going to tell us his will if he knows that we're not really submitted to that anyway? We're not going to do it. Exactly. Yeah. And we haven't done the last 10 things he showed us. So exactly. Yes. Yeah. In another place, King David is talking to his son, Solomon. Mm -hmm. And This is what he said. He says, And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. So that's a sobering thought. There's some really good stuff in there, but it's a little bit sobering. I mean, he's looking to see, do we serve him with a whole heart? Do we have a willing mind? I mean, that's who he's going to entrust all the good stuff to, including his will. That's foundational. Yeah, you have to foundationally make sure that you have your heart set on what God's will is. Mm -hmm. And I think that what it says in Scripture that we shouldn't worry and that we should trust God. I was talking to some friends of mine recently, and we were talking about how God's love language is trust. Mm. You know, that the thing he really wants out of us is trust. And you can't follow God's will and follow what he tells you to do unless you trust him. That's true. You're not going to. So I think having that relationship with him and making sure that you're putting your trust in God, even over your own intellect or your own feelings or anything of yourself, you're going to trust God no matter what he says he wants you to do. I love that. God's love language is trust. That's good. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) I will never get a tattoo, but if I were going to get one, that might be a good contender. (laughs) He wants us to trust him. That's how we show that we love him. And you can't follow his will or his plan unless you trust him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Luann and I often cite Second Chronicles sixteen nine about how his eyes search to and fro yes. that he might find a heart that's fully his. He's looking for people that understand that. Mm-hmm. 
So he's naturally going to respond. And and you may have this in your notes to talk about later, but it's it's not always really clear and concrete. So it can be tricky to to discern, which is why we're talking about it. Right. I just noticed the time. <laughs> oh, God. Do we want to wrap this one up and do the points next time? Yeah. Okay. Um, Yes. All right. So we are barely sticking our toes into this subject and we haven't gotten very far, but lo and behold, our time is just about up. So we are going to actually get into the nitty gritties of tips or uh, instructions in the word about how we discern God's will. Thanks for joining us today. If this podcast encouraged you, it might encourage someone else too. So please share it and share some hope.